As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we shift, we gear, we jam, we press on the pedal and drive it all the way up the hill to number one. It's Top 5. <laughs> Brilliant. As always, Top 5. Really? Epic stuff. Epic. Maybe, I don't know. This week, we're taking a look at Epic the Top 5 Pop Culture Vehicles. Top 5 mm-hmm. pulp, cult, Pop Culture Vehicles. Uh, this was a Matthew topic, I believe. I believe it was. I'm going to start with one uh, pop culture vehicle that everyone knows. In the front seat, we've got a blonde guy, a, mm. a brunette, and a redhead all sitting in the front seat. And in the back, Scooby-Doo. you've got a doper and his dog uh, chewing on the munchies. Rut-row. Yes, a rut row is indeed. Oh, it really is. Scooby-Doo. I am talking about the mystery oh, machine. Nice. <laughs> That uh, Scooby-Doo and his uh, mystery crew uh, would drive around in the depressed uh, state of the alternate uh, America, solving mysteries. The universe after the world is crammed. Yes. For, for scraps of bread. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know, uh, was there ever a make and model of the mystery machine? It's just this weird kind of... It uh, kind of resembles a GMC van. It does, but it's totally not. Is there like a weird, like, backstory how they got this van or is it something they just have well how do they form i'm sure there is by now but yeah yeah it's it's there not are like actually multiple backdoors for the mystery machine well the name of their group is supposed to be mystery machine inc or mystery inc is what their group name is or their company inc. their company name is right but i've never that seen them bill a client the of the show <laughs> yeah i've never seen them bill a client i've never seen them receive a call it's just always like it's not broken. oh the van broke down and oh there's a big flying scary uh spaceship alien let's go investigate darn you kids <laughs> Uh, but something about the green well, and, I, and red and pinkish tones of the mystery machine, or purple or whatever that color is. I watched mine originally in black and white, uh, so there. Got me. <laughs> yeah, Matthew's colorblind. Oh, I was I was reminiscing with the parents the other night. I did not have a I did not have a color TV until probably seventy nine or eighty wow. is when I got when we got color TV. I so. got my first color TV in like. It was like 91 <laughs> when you were born. Yeah. <laughs> so the mystery machine, my number five on a pop culture vehicles, uh, you'll instantly recognize a mystery machine anytime you see it. 
Zach, what do you got oh, in yeah. your number five? There's one here in town, actually. Oh, is there? Cool. Oh. Uh, my number five comes from the wonderful land of Disney movies. It will take you to the stars and to Egypt and China and Greece all in one night. To show you the world? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, it is the magic carpet from Aladdin. What a wonderful mode of transportation where it can actually interact with you in nonverbal communications oh, yeah. and show you emotion and just help you out and get the chick with you. Uh, what a great like sidekick, a wingman. And that's what you really want out of a vehicle. You don't want like a Ferrari or something. That might get you a chick. Maybe. But a magic carpet? Yeah, I mean, it does, it does that move, China? you know. He's just barely below the balcony, mm-hmm. and then he's looking up at Jasmine, and the carpet just gives him that extra boost Boom. and makes him kiss. Boom. Yeah. Magic yeah, carpet. also, if I, if I remember correctly, one of the first... 3D animated characters that Disney ever worked on. I mean, uh, certainly the Wildebeests sequence in The Lion King, which uh, that was after, yeah, was, after. Uh, was a huge CG uh, sequence. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as a character, as a character that's a central figure in Aladdin, that was one of the first uh, all CG characters oh. that Disney ever had. So there you go. Number five, Carpet from Aladdin. Rodrigo, what do you got? Carpet. Uh, my number five is also uh, essentially a, a an actual living character. Um, I finally got around to watching some Adventure Time after much pressure from our listeners, and uh, it's not that I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't think that I wasn't going to be into it. I just hadn't gotten around to it. So uh, my number five uh, favorite vehicle is Jake from Adventure Time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank God you didn't say the Jake because, and the Fat Man because. Yes. I'm just gonna sit here and rest for a minute. <laughs> Can I ride on top of uh, you? Wee. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, and it, and it is pretty much like that. I mean, Jake is a dog who has stretchy and growy powers, um, and can do all kinds of things. But a lot of the time, um, he ends up acting as transportation for Finn and anyone else that they have either rescued from the Ice King or who is leading them to their next quest. So, um, all voiced by um. Uh, of course, I totally blanked out on his name. Voiced by Bender uh, from Future. John Rodriguez, isn't it? Or John? No, DiMaggio. John it's DiMaggio, yeah. Right. Um, who does a great job and and only sometimes sounds like Bender. I mean, he does give him a a, a, a pretty different voice. And, and the attitude of the character is very different. Um, but yes, uh, Jake from Adventure Time, my number five favorite pop culture vehicle. All right. Matthew, what do you have at number five? My number five is actually a vehicle of, of my very, very young youth. Because for me, if you think about a vehicle, you want, you want something that's awesome and fast and sleek. When, when you're off and flying and you gun the car around the track and you're jamming on the pedal like you're never coming back. When you're a demon on wheels and you're going to be chasing after someone. Speed buggy. You're busy revving up the powerful Mach 5. Speed buggy. Friend. Oh. Don't no sell my joke, Steve. <laughs> I will slap you. <laughs> the Mach 5. People say, why don't you watch more anime? I watch plenty of anime. It's just it's all from the 50s and 60s. <laughs> and one of those anime is Speed Racer, or in yeah, its yeah. American incarnation, Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love I that in show. in Japan, it's called Maha Gogo. Yeah, Maha Gogo. Yeah, that was that almost, that was almost num- my awesome. number five. That was almost my number five. Yeah, that car is... This is, let me tell you something. 
When I was a kid, there was a Matchbox or Hot Wheels version of the Mach 5. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which. I remember that one. And I had it, and somebody stole it from me. Mm-hmm. It was not me. So right now, in my in my possession, in my ownership right now, is a Mach 5 in Hot Wheels form, also a matching shooting star. A Mach 5 that's about six inches long with a little tiny speed racer action figure. And a huge, like, 1 to 24 scale. It's like a foot and a half long. And it's still mint in box in the bottom of a box. And the kid wants to play with it. And I told her, absolutely not. This is daddy's it. toy. Walk away. Yeah, there's something about the Mach 5. Gonna, you know? Well, it's... I mean, when you look at it, it's, shape. It's, it's, it's the shape. But it also has, you know, the, the center dial where you can push the switch. And all of a sudden, the, right. the axles rise up. And you're suddenly 10 stories above uh, nope. everyone else. Uh, or just the, the fact that... Blade. Oh yeah, the cutter blades, or just the fact that you could put a young child and a wild monkey in the trunk, and the car's so silent you never hear right. any of the noise they make, and they don't suffocate because later, after you've been driving down the track, open up the trunk and they're still alive. That's amazing in this kind of well, pop culture what, technology. Part vehicle. of the part of the engine actually vents through, the trunk. <laughs> but since it's a yeah. really, Mach Five, uh, uh, Jim 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 actually used to be a, a, another boy. And that's yeah. just what happens. <laughs> just that's what happens when you create fumes for so many years. But uh, most importantly, it's it's one of the only race cars with a trunk, right? But it's one of the only race cars that has grappling guns and yeah, and yeah. laser blades and a little thing that goes pew pew out of the back above your head. Well, if I had one of those, the, I saw we had the live action Mach Five at one point for sale, and we had it up on major spoilers. And if I could get in it and had four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I would buy that car and drive it everywhere. Well, maybe that I mean, dream that, will come a reality this year, Matthew. Maybe that dream no. will come a reality. Well, here's what we're trying to do, listeners. You want to help us out, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Consider making a $2, a $5, or a $10 a month recurring donation. Helps us keep shows like this going. And maybe gets Matthew to his dream of $450,000 for Mark 5. Mark 5. Yeah, there you go. All right, now those are our number fives. I'm, I'm, I'll also be curious. Also, the suction necessary to get into the race car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are now down to our number fours. Uh, I'm not a particular fan of NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I don't understand the appeal of. I can understand why people like it, I guess. Um, but it's just not for me. And so when this movie came out that Disney was doing, I was like, oh, God, how could, how could this movie even be interesting? Never saw it in the theater. One of the movies that I've, one of the few Disney movies I never saw in the theater. And then my son got old enough and he was, I don't know, we saw the toy or something at the store and he was like, oh, I want, I want, I want. It was like he was two. Mm. Said, okay, let's check this movie out. And for almost six months nonstop, cars played in our DVD player. Mm. And about the third time in, fourth time in, fifth time in, I think it finally dawned on me. These are actually kind of cool characters. Mm-hmm. And even though Mater is a cool truck, I still think Lightning McQueen, the central character of this particular movie, is by far one of the ka-chow. coolest cars that's out there. Yeah. Ka-chow. Um And so Lightning McQueen makes my number four of the top five pop culture vehicles. There's just so, something about him. You know, this guy that has his faith shaken and yet still comes around from behind. And even though he doesn't technically win the uh the piston cup he's still a winner in everyone else's eyes and it's also a disney movie 
Zach, what Disney movie do you have at number four? Uh, Chitty Chitty, no, Chitty Chitty not, Bang Bang. Not a Disney movie, in not, fact. Not a Disney Not movie. a Disney movie. Okay. What this... Pixar movie? <laughs> uh, see, nope. Uh, uh, my number four comes from one of the first video games that I was ever explicitly told that I could never have. But my friends did, so we played it over there. There you go. And this vehicle was awesome because someone could drive it, and then someone who was obviously the person that was luckiest got to sit on a big turret and just blow away little aliens and big aliens. And if you were really mean that day, you could drive and then just kill both of you because you're mad at your friend. Oh, like drive off a cliff. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah. just drive into like a like a brute or something. Mm-hmm. This is the Warthog. Yeah, yeah. Your it's, parents wouldn't let you have that game? No. My dad had this weird... He denies it now, but I, I remember because I wanted this game. He had a weird thing where I couldn't have video games where I killed aliens, but I could have video games where I killed humans. Maybe because he knows something. <laughs> I, and maybe that's what it was, but yeah. I had a lot of Call of Duty games does, and James he Bond. He didn't want you destroying your own people. Yeah, it, it does explain why uh, spoons just stand right up when Zach walks into the room. Yeah. And it might explain why his father speaks fluent. Ack, ack, ack. <laughs> he does like that movie an awful lot. That's why you named you Zach. Ack, ack. <laughs> That's why his name is Zach. That makes, exactly. that makes a lot, lot more sense his, now. His middle name is Ack. So, uh, wow. the Warthog from Halo. Yeah, it's just a fun vehicle. and All the hours we spent... Well, at first playing just at demo yeah, level yeah. that came in the magazine, we played the crap out of that. And there was a couple of Warthogs in that level. And we just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Because, I mean, we were like... Nine? Yeah, we were in seventh grade. I, seventh or eighth grade yeah. when Halo first came out. And eventually we got it and just played the living crap out of it. And still do this. That's when, we, when my friends and I get together back in my lovely hometown. We just play Halo 2 for hours. The Warthog Excellent. is awesome. Excellent. Rodrigo, what do you got at your number five? Or number four, I'm sorry. Uh, my number five is Jake from Adventure Time. Hey, all right. Awesome. <laughs> my number four. Awesome pick. Yeah. My number, my number four is also from a video game and also a talking vehicle. Um, not like the War Cop, but like uh, Jake from Adventure Time. Uh, this is um, a, a central character in a game that has always been kind of maligned by the main fans of the franchise. Um, and I'm talking about uh, Legend of Zelda, the Wind Waker. Um, and a big part of the game is sailing around. And the ship that you sail on, uh, the King of Red Lions, is a ship that actually talks to you. And a lot of the information that you get about the game and about the plot comes from this character who turns out to be a central character in kind of the, 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 the story that you are unraveling as you travel around. Um, he's super cool looking. I literally had a and d character kind of based on him. Um, he is an awesome ship and he talks to you and when you walk around on the beach, he looks at you and he follows you around with his head and it's super great. Um, so, um, and as, as you might imagine, I actually did like the Wind Waker. A lot of people thought it was too cartoony. I actually really, really like that cell shaded look. And I thought that it took the Zelda franchise into a place where it, uh, hadn't been before. And I thought it was really interesting. So King of Red Lions for me, number four. Excellent. And Matthew, what do you have at your number four? 
my number four actually is is a fascinating backstory, which generally does happen. But more importantly, it's probably one of the most awesome things to come out of the 1970s. And I don't say that lightly, because remember, Shang-Chi comes from the 70s. But it's got a lot of pickup. It's got a cop motor, a 440 cubic inch plant. It's got cop tires, cop suspension, cop shocks. It's a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run good on regular gas. And it is the new Bluesmobile. A vehicle that can drive through the streets and malls of Chicago at well in excess of 100 miles an hour, <laughs> leap through an open drawbridge, angrily destroy the hordes of Illinois Nazis. Nazis, do a I hate those guys. Midair. I hate those guys. And give everything that it has because we're on a mission from God. That whole movie. Had they been driving a different car, I think would have been an entirely different thing. It's a 74 Dodge Monaco, which nobody's ever heard of the Monaco. I had a Dodge Magnum, which is very similar. Steven makes fun of this car, but it drove and drove and drove until <laughs> it finally just maroon with fell a white apart top in front of Daly Center. Maroon with a white top. It was awesome. Or was it, it was uh, white with a maroon top? I forget which one it was. Awesome. It was white with a white top. Oh, I had white with a white top. had a red Monte Carlo. Oh, okay. That's what I'm thinking of. Top. Yeah, yeah. That you also mocked. Oh, I make I make fun of all your cars. What are you driving now? <laughs> I'm driving a <laughs> Chrysler LHS. <laughs> there, there you go. You don't even know what that is. <laughs> but the yeah, thing it's a Legion of Superheroes car. Wonderful is it's a character in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It is its own character, and there's there are points in that movie where John Landis swears that there's a point where they're driving down uh, whack, Lower Wacker Drive. Mm-hmm. And they cut to the speedometer, and it's the speedometer says 120. He swears that that chase was actually shot at 120 miles an hour, and that this 20, this then 15 year old, 10 year old cop car was able to pull 120 through this movie. Which I think it's a good story. I don't know that it's true, but it's a fascinating story for the background of this whole thing. And what's really awesome is when you get to the end, and they step out. The saddest moment in that movie is when the Bluesmobile literally falls apart. They've reached their destination. It has yeah. done its job. Well done, faithful servant. You may rest. And the thing just falls to pieces. And Jake stands there for a moment. He's obviously crushed, but they have a, they have a job to finish. And that, that to me is the tragedy of that film is the death of the Bluesmobile. But the best part is it had that giant speaker on top. You yes. over there. Ah, the Bluesmobile show and review. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, good number whip. four. Orange whip. Orange whip. <laughs> yeah, get an orange whip. Three orange whips. Yep. All right. Number three for all of us. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Doc, uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Yes, yes. The way I see it, Classic. you're you're going to build a time machine uh, into a car. Why not go with something with with style? Besides, the stainless steel construction uh, makes the flux uh, makes the flux dispersal. Look out! You just disintegrated Einstein. No, no, he's just been temporarily shifted. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the DeLorean in Back to the Future, the most awesome time machine ever. About the entire. I'm actually quoting word for word. Oh, no, it's happened under the sea, Dad. Oh, what do you make like a tree and get out of here? Uh, Libyans. <laughs> Doc, run. Right. It's the Libyans. 
<laughs> Wade has nothing to do with it. They travel in herds. <laughs> Wait, no, that's Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, man. I From she the moment that I cartoon. ever saw the first commercial for Back to the Future and then saw the DeLorean when it comes out of the back of that big utility truck that Doc drives around and it's all decked out. I mean, I can't even look at a DeLorean today without going, there's something wrong about that car. What's There's something missing on that DeLorean. And then I'm like, oh, it's all that other crap that they just threw on it to make it look like a DeLorean, you know, to make it look like a time machine mm-hmm. from the movie. The Pence and the Flux capacitor. Yeah, I, I mean, I always want to see that, that inside a car. I mean, certainly today you can go and buy a Flux capacitor, you know, that lights up like mm-hmm. in the movie. And there are people that have made a lot of replica cars of the uh, of the time machine. The um, A car, the car that was actually used in the movies, was on display at Universal for a long time, and it just deteriorated to almost nothing now. And they've got a restoration project going on. I think it's at bttf.com, backtothefuture.com, I think is the uh, website. Um, they've actually got a sale going on on a lot of these Back to the Future things where they're trying to raise money to restore the car to the to its original shooting model. And I've seen this car. I mean, we went to Universal Studios a long time ago with my wife and I, and um, it's a beautiful-looking car. Wonderful it is. Man, if you are going to build a time machine, might as well do it with some style. And and the DeLorean certainly fits my number three. I'd like to move it higher, but, man, of all the cool cars out there, it made the number three on my list. Zach, what you got? Number three is another living, breathing uh, mode of transportation. And... Is one that comes from a series that is the precursor to many lovely rants of love and parachutes and fun things that Steven has gone on last summer, and that's from no Legend idea. of Korra. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my motor vehicle for number three is Appa from the original Last Airbender series. Because what a great friend and a giant, you know, mammoth flying thing that just takes him from place to place. Never ends with a friend like that. Could I? <laughs> I don't, I don't think means. Zach's ever seen uh, Never Ending Story. No, we talked about that before. We've, we've gone over that. Yeah. But what a great friend that can, you can, big enough you can sleep on and have four still of, have fly. Have your friends fly along with you? Yeah. What a like like a, what a pretty great party van that would be like a party bus. You just <laughs> Imagine you can just rent the Scooby Doo mashed with the Last Airbender <laughs> and like obscene amounts of alcohol. I'm, I'm sure there is art being created <laughs> of that right as we speak. Please uh, send it to podcast at majorspoilers.com. But yeah, I think Appa would be a great Appa would be a great uh, vehicle to have as my daily commute yep, yep. to the college. Yep, yep, yep. 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 All right. uh, Zach, thank you for that. Rodrigo, number three. All right. My number three uh, is one that beat out a lot of other vehicles of its kind to be on this list. And there were a lot of good ones. Uh, But in the end, I had to go with my my favorite out of that style. Um, And I'm talking about um, Giant Mecha. Because they are awesome giant robots that you can pilot around. And there's lots of great giant robots around. Voltron, that other Voltron. Um, of course, Meg- Megas XLR. Fantastic <laughs> stuff. But the one that I ended up putting on here is um, the Lagan 
from Gurren Lagann. And that is like this tiny mech. It's just like a head. It's like a giant head that you sit in with like little uh, stumpy arms and legs. But with this mech, you can channel spiral power, which is the amazing power of human progress. Um, and this little guy basically plugs into other mechs and superpowers them. And then those mechs can pr- plug into other bigger ones and superpower them. And by the end of the show, you end up with a mech that is so big that, you, like, I think it ends up, like, throwing planets at people. Wow. Um, and it all starts with the little Lagan. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen Gurren Lagan, I really strongly recommend it. It is a really fantastic series. I will have um, to check it out. Isn't it? I think so. Um but my, I know that it was brought over by Aniplex. Yeah, it um, probably was then. So, but yes, my number three is the Lagan from Guren Lagan. All right, thank you for that. And Matthew, hello. When I was a boy, I didn't watch things that were live action because live action things weren't as cool as cartoons. But at one point. For some reason, PBS started importing a lot of British programming. Well, that was weird. Yeah, I think somebody just put Am their I still mute there? on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rodrigo just put his mute on. Oh, okay. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, freaked me out for a second. I thought I died. I had a pencil in my nose. It was weird. Um, <laughs> they started <laughs> importing a lot of British shows. And among those shows, which was one that struck me as particularly fascinating, the main character, kind of a solo guy in a world he never met, and it opened with this awesome picture of his vehicle. And I am not talking about Doctor Who. Oh, no, 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 no. I am talking about the opening credits of The Prisoner, an ITV show from the late 1960s. And it opens with a Lotus S7, which is this little streamlined railgun of a car Black and yellow, gorgeous little vehicle just racing out of nowhere as lightning strikes in the background. And number six drives across into the city and gives up his job and ends up in the village. And the fascinating part is, except for the very first episode and the very last episode, the only time you see the car is in the opening credits. But it's so iconic and such a powerful image and just the shot. It was actually done on a racetrack, from what I understand, just coming right at you. It gets the tone of the piece, the urgency of everything that you're going to see in the next 17 whack job episodes. And it's going to really tweak your melon, but it's okay because that car will be there. At the very end of the last episode, he gets his car back and drives off into the sunset sort of, possibly back to the beginning of the show. It's not entirely clear. There's a lot of symbolism involved. But that Lotus 7 is such a fascinating vehicle. It's another one of those, if I could fit in one, I would probably put money into a replica. Because it's so awesome, you can build them pretty much out of anything. I believe that most of the Lotuses are actually kit cars these days. So you can buy... You know, you buy like a Volkswagen or something and you can build this Lotus on that vehicle's transmission. But just an amazing car, a car that's so iconic that even though it almost never appeared in the show, it still defines people's vision of what that show is and was. And that's pretty impressive to me. And that's my number three. Lotus 7, you are number three. Um, 
Stop. Now that. it is time. Sometimes that's you know, not how it goes. <laughs> sometimes I I just wait. Sometimes the I Lotus Seven was people. driven by number six, who was really number one. Interesting. Six was not number one. <laughs> you are number one. Stop it. <laughs> it depends. It depends on what number two you're talking about. Some of them were very clear about going. You are number six. And Steven is number two, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I'm giving you the number one right now, if you know what I mean. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? <laughs> oh, sometimes I just, sometimes I go on YouTube and just look up the open to the prisoner and just watch it. Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. jam to it. It's, it's a really good, I mean, you want to talk about, yeah, opening scenes, opening sequences to TV shows. The prisoner is just fantastic. Yeah. Incredible. All right, here we go. Number twos, uh, atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed. I'm talking about the Batmobile, not <laughs> not the uh, Tim Burton Batmobile, which still looks pretty cool. Yeah. Not the Batman animated series Batmobile, which looks even better. Mm-hmm. Not the Tumblr. None of that stuff. Of course, I'm talking about the 1955 Lincoln Futura concept car. Mm-hmm. Concept car. Never made with anything yeah. else. I think they made, what, like a, a dozen of those, maybe? One. Well, I thought they, I thought they there were more than one. One. But the survived. But the concept awesome. car in 1955, a total loser of a car. That's why it never went into production, because people were like, bubble domes, that doesn't, what? <laughs> I don't understand. This doesn't look anything like Tomorrowland's future, like what they're trying to sell on us. But in the 1960s... Uh, CBS approached uh, George Barris and said, hey, we need this car for Batman to drive around. And he took the 1955 Lincoln Futura and converted it into the television series Batmobile that we see now. And there have been endless replicas made. There is actually a company. I think they can still do this. I know that they were in a lawsuit at one point uh, where they were allowed to make something like 25 Batmobiles a year. Uh, mm. Based on the original mold and all the original parts and everything, and that you could sell for like one hundred and twenty-five thousand yeah, dollars, but you were on like a five-year waiting list or something <laughs> like that. We've talked about it over there at uh, MajorSpoilers dot com uh, before. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, that original Batmobile, the one that Adam West drove, went up for sale at the Barris uh, at the uh, Barrett uh, Jackson auction, mm-hmm. sold for four point six million dollars. The guy said he couldn't wait to get nice. in it and drive it around. Oh yeah, he wasn't just going to put it in in the uh, in the garage. He was actually going to drive it around, and it's a beautiful looking car. You see that black with the bubble dome and the little red siren on top, and I can just imagine sitting in that car with my little blue on blue cowl on. Na 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 Batman. Ugh. And and basically the same paunch as Adam West. Yes, basically. <laughs> uh, the, what they're trying to do right now, this is, the I think, the most interesting part, is they are trying to convince uh, Guinness World Records to add this sale to their list. Um, the previous record for the uh, highest-selling, I guess, pop culture car was Sean Connery's uh, Aston Martin DB5 in Goldfinger, which sold for 4.608 five uh, million dollars in uh, 2010 so that because the Batmobile sold for 11,000 more, they're trying to get that as the uh, car. Now that's not the most expensive car ever to go on the auction block. Um, Carol Shelby's 
uh, car sold in 2007 for uh, quite a bit of money, but I don't remember uh, where it is. It's actually the highest selling, making the Batmobile the, the second highest selling car nice. ever to go through the auction block. But it's still very cool. Still a great car. Oh, wow. I, I think I was doing major spoiler stuff, and uh, my phone went off, and my coworker at the, at the place that I work, he and I always talk about the auctions that they have on the Speed Network and Velocity talking about the cars that are sold. And he blipped me, goes, oh my gosh, did you just see the Batmobile selling for 4.6? I was like, crap, I missed it. Mm. Uh, I would have liked to have seen it. Apparently the price jumped very quickly. I think they started at a hundred thousand dollars and it rose up to about 2 million before things slowed down. And then it was just these two guys back and forth. uh, And it was clear that the one guy was going to just buy this car no matter what. And they're just like, well, how much do you want to pay for it? And he's just like, this Mm. is what I want to pay. There you go. Done deal. And so apparently all the uh, money has been cleared, and now this guy owns wow. the car. My uh, mom and sister were at this auction. Wow. And they, they were at this auction? They were at this auction. They oh, took, in Jacksonville? They took... Where was it? Wasn't it, it was in Jacksonville? Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, they were because they took pictures of the Batmobile and sent it to me. And uh-huh. I heard it sold, and I had just assumed that they had bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was wrong. Oh, there's something, <laughs> there's something about the... Uh, there's something about the Batmobile when you see it in the original TV series. I mean, obviously, it's sped up. To make the car look like it's driving faster than it is. Mm-hmm. But here you see this car just barreling down and the little uh, gate flops open and the Batmobile goes into the cave. <laughs> and then anytime you see Robin and Batman in the car, you know that there's a couple of guys just off camera shaking the car. <laughs> and they've got this rear projected uh, scenery going on behind them. But it's wonderful. And it's just an iconic car. And it's uh, it yeah. it deserves this number two spot mm-hmm. on the uh, pop culture uh, vehicles list. Completely. Zach, what about you? Nice. My number two is not really a vehicle in the literal sense, but it is the mode of transportation for many a night in this movie and has inspired many late night Walmart gallopings around to the stare of many elderly people and Walmart employees. But my number two favorite vehicle is Coconuts from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. (laughs) Man, I thought you were going to say shopping carts or something. I was like, all right. No. Coconuts. This is my man servant Patsy. (laughs) Yes. We found you can take uh, those little salsa-like Oh, yeah, yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we found found some of those at Walmart one night, and we just rode. One of us stood in back. One of us mounted up in front, and we just clacked around Walmart for probably 15 minutes just around different aisles because... (laughs) That scene, that, the first time I watched Monty Python, The Holy Grail, I probably peed my pants three times. I was laughing so hard. But those coconuts <laughs> have inspired me to ride imaginary horses around many a house. And <laughs> they're, they're just wonderful. <laughs> Much to the horror of the people who live there. Yeah. Sometimes I just walk into random houses and say, would you like to watch a man ride an imaginary horse? Or some coconuts? They call the cops generally. <laughs> but where do you keep your coconuts, madam? Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. All right. Wow. <laughs> Rodrigo, please. Can you top coconuts? End this. <laughs> no, certainly not. Because um, they they grow very high in palm trees. <laughs> So my uh, my number two is from a cartoon from my childhood that I love very much. 
um, despite the fact that it doesn't really hold up all that well, uh, going back and watching it. I recently got a chance to watch it again with my nephews, um, and they're way into it. But a lot of it, I'm just like, man, this is super dorky. I'm talking about Thundercats, of course, and the the vehicle, uh, the, the preferred mode of transportation of most of the Thundercats is, of course, the Thunder Tank, which is this big <laughs> tank that looks like a scary animal and uh, likes to roll around the ground and also dig under the earth and sometimes go underwater, uh, depending on what the plot demands. Um, the Thunder Tank, built by Panthro out of chunks of their old spaceship um, and largely used to run over mutants from Plundar who are trying to mess with the Thundercats. Um, I didn't have a toy Thunder Tank growing up, um, but back when I was a kid, I really wasn't all that much into vehicles. And going back and looking at the new or at the uh, old Thunder Tank, basically the, the Thunder Tank that you could buy um, to put your Thundercats in, <laughs> tiny, like you can barely sit them in it. Like uh, wow. it's, it's like uh, it just looks like a big go kart, basically. Um, so maybe it's a good thing that I didn't that I didn't have it. But yes, my uh, my number two, the Thunder Tank, and you know the new Thunder Tank looks okay. The one from the the new series, obviously, it has a lot more stuff going on. It's a lot more intense and sharp and edgy. Uh, the old Thunder Tank was pretty round, but I, I I think I'm gonna stick with the classic as far as my favorite out of those two. Excellent, Matthew. What do you have at your number two? My number two. Um, actually reminds me of a story. Uh, when I was young, I love the starting stories with it when I was young. I think I've done it like five times in a row now. I used to love professional wrestling. Stay with me. This makes sense. My favorite professional wrestler in my youth was a man named Dusty Rhodes. Now, the thing about wrestling is you can have a really good body or you can be a really good talker or you can be super athletic. Those are pretty much one of three major ways to be over. Dusty was built like me. He was a bowling ball with legs. He has a pronounced speech impediment and a very thick Alabama accent or Georgia accent. And he's kind of a lunatic who knows about 15 wrestling moves. But he was incredibly popular by sheer charisma and force of will. And my number two vehicle is very similar. At the time we first see it, it is ancient, like a hundred years old. It's practically junk. People talk about it as junk. It's enormous. It's ridiculous. It's a freighter that can outrun fighters. But it has enough armory to where it can take on actual fighter jets in, in combat. And its pilot is particularly rakish and awesome. Of course, I'm speaking of Han Solo's personal spacecraft, the Millennium Falcon, as seen in Star Wars and other episodes that might have episode numbers in them, even though Star Wars did not. But the, the wonderful part about the Falcon is it's it doesn't make sense when you look at it. It doesn't make sense as a vehicle. It's this big, flat pizza disc with an arm off to the side and like fangs in the front. And it's one of the first expectations that I had that a spacecraft doesn't have to have control surfaces like an airplane. You're in space. 
You don't need wings. You don't need rudders. You don't need ailerons. But if you're in space, you can pretty much fly anything so long as you have propulsion. And the Millennium Falcon has tons of propulsion with those blue things on the back that, I don't know, shoot out whammy rays and make you go really fast. And the thing is so fast, so awesome, that it actually changes things like distance into time. It can change the nature of the universe uh -huh, uh -huh. and make you, you know, make you think, hey, I loved this thing five parsecs ago. <laughs> but most importantly, and this is this is the best part about it, it serves as sort of an unofficial ninth member of the crew. You know, you've got that that whole thing where you have the the prissy robot and the snotty robot, and then you have the pirate and his cool sidekick and the hot princess, and you have Lando who does what Lando does, and you have the young guy, and then you have this piece of junk ship that somehow manages to outrun and outfight and outsmart the best that the Empire has to throw at it. That to me is pretty awesome. It's it's the dusty roads of spacecraft. Has no business doing what it does, but ends up being the best at it in spite of all of its handicaps. And that, my dear, is why the Millennium Falcon is my number two. Excellent. Uh, I was wondering if that would show up on the list, because it doesn't show up on my list. Oh, you knew it would. Well, I was hoping. No, I and I'm know. surprised by that. Well, you know, there are some really cool cars on here, and it's like, okay, when I'm thinking about the cool vehicles of my youth, I'm thinking about, oh, you know, Scooby-Doo, I remember that. And then I, that kind of triggers, you know, this this car of my youth, which is the car of my son's youth. Both my kids are really into Lightning McQueen. And then, of course, Back to the Future was the car of my teenage years that I always loved. And then uh, the retro teenage years, you know, basically when you discover the, the channel that's rerunning Batman. But yeah. of my formative years, this is, this is how I get into it. When I was a kid kind of story, in, in my formative years – I would spend a lot of time at my grandparents' house during the week. If my parents had something to do, we lived up and around the area. And uh, from like 1974 until almost 1980, it, the show actually ran past 1980. But uh, up until 1980, when I'd go over to my grandparents' house, it'd be late summer, you know, it'd be dark, it'd be hot. The windows would be open. They kind of lived on a part of the city that was very still kind of rural then but is now kind of really packed. Uh, but we'd sit there and I'd watch all these fascinating shows. And uh, one of them was about a doctor who solved crimes. Um, you know, uh, there was a, the show in particular that I liked was this detective handsome guy always kind of reminded me of my grandfather and the guy just never seemed to catch a break. Every time he tried to, to solve a crime, He'd try to build the client, and the client would stiff him, or the client didn't have money, or he would get into these uh, these situations where he wasn't even working for a client. And so I always felt, felt bad about him. He lived in a trailer down by the river. <laughs> he lived in a trailer down by the ocean. You know, oftentimes, oftentimes he was fishing for his food off the pier and bringing home fish to eat. Um, and he lived right across from a restaurant. He was in the restaurant's parking lot. How come he couldn't just go over to the restaurant and have a nice steak? His favorite food, tacos from the taco stand. And his favorite car to drive, shelf, of course, was the Pontiac Firebird Esprit. Later, most people might also know it as the Trans Am. Mm -hmm. The 1974 through 1978 Pontiac Firebird Esprit, driven by my, one of my favorite characters of all time, Jim Rockford. 
on The Rockford Files. If you haven't seen this show, you need to watch The Rockford Files. One of the nice things about The Rockford Files is you see James Garner drive the heck out of this brown gold car. And there's a famous move that most people attribute to The Rockford Files called the J-turn. And the J-turn is where Jim Rockford is driving down the street and then the bad guys are right in front of him and he has to get away quickly. And so what does he do? He slams the car into reverse, you know, rockets backwards as fast as he can go, slams on the brake, which causes the front end to fishtail around 180 degrees. And while it's fishtailing around, jams it into drive and takes off. So in one big move, it's a backup turn and then turn right into a straight. And that was, you know, that was perfected on that show. And I don't know how accurate this is. I mean, I really like James Garner, so I'm hoping that this is accurate. And he was the executive. He was one of the executive producers on the show, uh, as well as the star. Mm-hmm. It's said that he performed every J turn in that series well, himself. Well, I know I can do it in Grand Theft Auto, so it must be true. <laughs> well, but again, he's using a real car to do this, and it's just really kind of cool to see him do this. The J turn was actually no, uh, the J turn is real. I mean, that's uh, Secret Service agents are taught how to how, how to do that. When they're protecting the president, you have to be able to get away like this. Um, But it's either called the J turn or the Rockford. But this car is just it's a classic little car from that time period. And you would think that this down on his luck guy. How does he afford this fantastic car that gets beaten up a lot, gets the brake line cut, gets all these things? I mean, there's a couple of episodes that explain how he pays for all of this. Uh, But that uh, that that Pontiac Firebird is such a wonderful car. Actually, um, there was somebody at a, a car show recently, a couple of years ago here in town, where they had the car done up to look exactly like Rockford's car. And what I found was really interesting. And uh, what the woman did, it was actually a woman who owned it. She took a bunch of glitter and she threw glitter on the ground all the way around the car. And what was happening is the sunlight would bounce mm-hmm. off that glitter and reflect up onto the car and really create this really dazzling pattern along the side. <laughs> Not really something R- Rockford would do, but I thought it was still really cool. Uh, the license plate, uh, 853 OKG. Uh, the OK is the uh, is Oklahoma. That's where James Gardner's for, from. Uh, 853 is the year he got his, I think it's his uh, SAG license, is the 853. And uh, apparently today... There is a trans, uh, not a Trans Am, but a Firebird that drives around Los Angeles that has been issued that license plate just mm-hmm. to drive around Los Angeles, just like Jim Rockford. Wonderful car, run- wonderful show. The Pontiac Firebird Esprit, my number one. Oof. Zach, what you got? <sighs> when I was a child, back in the late <laughs> 1990s, a movie came out that had me all up in a tizzy. And I couldn't wait to go see it with my family, and mainly my dad. And this movie had it all. Aliens, lasers, kids, a queen, and space. This is, of course, the much-hated Phantom Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Which So it's the very first Star Wars movie, then, huh? It is, it is actually the very first Star Wars movie. Uh, nothing happened before this. Everything <laughs> happened after. All Star Wars is based off of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> All of them fail in comparison. <laughs> uh, but back to my favorite vehicle. Whoa. 
Yeah, I was. Uh... <laughs> I gotta, I gotta imagine that there's like somebody listening to this show like in a crowded subway, and they are just like flipping out right now, just like banging their head against the window. No, 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 no. Why is he saying? Why is he saying that? No. Which wouldn't happen until episode three. Right. The third episode of the movie series. Uh, the, the third greatest Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may be pushing your luck there, so be careful. Okay. Anyways, none of that is actually true. But there is a vehicle in episode one that I was fascinated with a child, and I would still pay a lot of uh, credits if those were a real thing and I could use them on Tatooine. To buy a pod racer. Mm. These things were so cool that even the fact that a child got to use one, forget his metachlorian count, who cares? He was a child and he got to race a bunch of aliens and he'd go, and he'd fly. And I thought that was the coolest thing as a kid. Uh, I had Anakin's. Did you have the Lego set? I, I had Anakin's Lego set. I never got Sebulba's. I think it was too much money. Yeah, um, my first. N64 game was the pod ra- pod racing game it came with and uh, played the crap out of that. Just a really cool car and the fact I think that little Anakin got to drive one made me want to grow up someday to be a small child to <laughs> <laughs> drive someday a I'll grow up to be a small child <laughs> and then eventually you know, take over the galaxy and stuff. (laughs) So let me ask you, Zach, have you ever seen the movie Ben-Hur? No. You have not seen the movie Mm Ben-Hur. Ladies and gentlemen, we do another show (laughs) in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network called Zach on Film, right? Where it's apparent that Zach has not seen a lot of uh, quality movies in his life. Can we just go back and strike from the record that I do not think Phantom Menace is the greatest Star Wars (laughs) in that I do... I don't believe the third is the third. No, it's it's on the podcast. Well, fine, hate me. I still think number one's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, but uh, Chariot Race and Ben-Hur uh, was heavily, was used a lot for the pod race mm-hmm. in uh, Phantom Menace. So eventually race? on this list, yes, a chariot race. Horses and stuff? Yes. And in Ben-Hur, they used real horses. The real horses and real men. Wow. Yes. Oh. Uh, Ben-Hur, we will be looking at that actually kill. on a future... This is way before they set in laws into place that was like, you're not supposed to kill horses. Uh, so we'll look at that in a future Zach on film. Listeners, right. uh, check out uh, if you haven't... Kid, yeah, go ahead. You were a kid. We had a cat named Ben, and he got pregnant, and so we named him Ben-Hur. Wow. It's true fact. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want That's to know what this... Joke. No, that I'm not. I'm just saying. Said. I get it. Yes. Ha-ha. Um... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find out about Zach on film, might I suggest you head over to iTunes and check out the Major Spoilers Podcast Network uh, feed. You'll get all the shows that we do in just one single feed. So that includes this show. It includes Munchkin Land. It includes um, Dueling Review, Major Spoilers Podcast, Critical Hit, and probably a lot, lot more as we continue to grow. So go check that out right now. Well, actually, wait till this show's over. Yeah. Actually, the show's in the master feed, so you can go ahead and download it and download it again. There you go. You can get this show from there. So go there before you hear this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, That'd you can the, download it twice. See, that's that the would thing. Be, that would be the 
time productive thing to do. Right. That be, that's what everyone should do. Number ones we are so at. so nice, you download twice. That's right. <laughs> Rodrigo, certainly you have a number one that tops anything that has been on the lists so far. Oh, I do. Although, um, it's, it's from a very specific, uh, piece of pop culture that I, I think not everyone is familiar with, which is a little sad. Um, uh, a long, long time ago, uh, and actually in this galaxy, there was an awesome show from Japan called Macross. Oh, yeah. Um, which got brought to the United States as Robotech, um, which was a huge smash hit. Um, and eventually they said to themselves, let's do more Robotech. But the series didn't continue. It, it had some spin-off movies and it had some other stuff. So the executives in the U.S. just acquired other anime series and called those Robotech. And then when they dubbed them, they threw in little things about how like, oh, yeah, Rick Hunter is like over there doing stuff. But we're going to talk about these characters now. My number one doesn't come from the quote-unquote original Robotech or even from the second generation. It's actually from the third series that was called Robotech. Mm -hmm. um, a series in which a bunch of evil aliens came to Earth and started oppressing us. Um, and the only way to fight back was to wear a cool suit, jump on an awesome motorcycle, which would then turn into armor, robot armor, you guys. And then you would fight the bad guys with your robot armor motorcycle. And oh, that wow. is my number one most favorite is vehicle from pop culture, the Cyclones from Robotech Three. I think wow. it was three. Might have been two, but it's the, it's. I think it's three. Yeah, the but, yeah, but could they execute I a J turn? Not, I do not know. <laughs> um, Eventually, yeah, they, <laughs> they totally could, yo. Yeah, they totally. Actually, they didn't need to. They could do like a point turn where they just like pop. Oh the yeah, pop on the wheel. Turn yeah. completely yeah. around. And they would yep. go, pew, and we would all yep. be like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, some awesome, awesome action scenes in that. Um, eventually, you get, like, a full group of these guys. They'll have, like, their own cool helmets, and they've tweaked their cyclones to be awesomer than awesomer. standard <laughs> variety cyclones and stuff, and it's super great. Um, but, yeah, no, the uh, as a kid, I always just found that to be, like, the coolest thing, like, I wasn't into motorcycles. This thing made me remotely interested in motorcycles, which was a huge feat. Just the fact that you could actually, because it, it's kind of like a weird take on the robot armor, right? You have like, um, cars that turn into robots and, and not just transformers, but like, uh, plenty of shows where, uh, you transform your vehicle into a robot and you fight. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the cyclones are different. They don't really, become a different vehicle they actually just meld into you and allow you to do all of these cool things so it's just like it it, it was a different take on you know the classic you know anime mech type thing so uh i'm a i'm a big fan of it and i could continue talking about them for you know 10 to 15 minutes if allowed that's okay it's really cool really cool bikes but we have to get to matthew's number one <laughs> Super cool bike. Super cool. Super cool. Has everyone done their number one? Everyone yeah. has done their number ones except for you, Matthew. You had a number one, Steve? I did. I talked yeah, about it at length. Wow. 
Yeah, I had Mystery Machine, Lightning Line McQueen, Back to the Future DeLorean, The Batmobile, Jim Rockford's uh, Pontiac Firebird. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. By I'm the way, cool. if you read, if you do go from five to one in uh, Steven's list, it sounds like a Bob Dylan song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, an, or an says, REM scene. say they must bust an early yep. night. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, I see a pony, a little pony with little legs and a tiny minuscule mustache barking like a dog. And I say, hey, pony, that's the wrong noise you're making. My number one also dates back to the 1970s, also comes from anime. So people who say, you guys don't talk about enough anime, this is your episode. We had the Macross. We had the, the, the Avatar, which is kind of anime-like. We had that there, Speed Racer. And in my number one position, we have one of the most awesomest vehicles of all time. A vehicle that I remember actually fighting on the playground as a child to get to pretend to be the commander of. I won those fights, by the way, always. But that's because I was big. And that's neither here nor there. But I am referring to... The Phoenix, the God Phoenix, if you're into the Japanese original version, from Sandy Frank's seminal translation of uh, uh, Gotcha Man. Yeah, I was wondering. Battle of the Planets. That's, I, that almost made my list, too. That almost made my list, too. Yeah, Battle of the Planets. Gary Owens yells, and the music is awesome. And then you see this red and blue thing. It's streamlined like a ship it looks kind of like a bird it's awesome and in the opening credits of the american version of the cartoon there are just some gorgeous shots of this thing flying around and shooting through space and flying in a little thing and then bursting into flame and turning into this giant bird of flame this phoenix this literal phoenix and blasting out of the sky and apparently in the Japanese version, this is very, very dangerous and could kill them. But since you can't say die in American cartoons in the 70s, that never really came across. But uh, the many times in my adulthood, I have tried to go on the eBay and to buy either the die-cast version or the model version of the Fiery Phoenix, the God Phoenix, if you will. So, And I, we are talking hundreds. I know. I actually had the die-cast model of that. When I was a kid, and that's why I hate it was children. given. It was given to me by some other kid at school. He's like, I don't like playing this anymore. You can have it. It's like in second grade or something. And then I played with it about a week and then it just fell apart. Because it actually had some movable parts on it. And I was like, what a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's an amazing design. It, it's kind of like a missile. Yeah. And kind of like a bird. If you, you should go look it up. If you go just, uh, Google or uh, non-specific uh, search engine, it you should look for Battle of the Planets Phoenix, and you'll see this red and blue ship, just gorgeous. Yeah, that's thing. really cool. And it had other vehicles in it. Yep, modular vehicles that yep. fit inside it. Which, which I always, kind of you know, to be honest, to be honest, whenever I saw um, later when I saw Power Rangers, I was like, well, they're just ripping off what what they did on on G Force because you know they had all these individual vehicles that would. Uh, you know, merge into this uh, into this big plane, Interlock. and that's all that the yeah. Power Rangers were doing. I was really surprised, Matthew. I expected the uh, the Megazords to be up on your uh, on your number one. 
Well, the Megazords are derivative of a number of things. And if you look at actually uh, season nine or 10, I can't remember which, or maybe it's 13, uh, is of uh, Super Sentai is called Jetman, and it is a mm-hmm. clear homage. Some might even say a snatch of Battle of the Planets right down to the, you know, the character designs. Mm-hmm. Their ship is called the Jet Icarus, mm. which is, you know, somewhat different than the, the giant Phoenix, but it's still, you know, very similar. It's a similar the, uh, motif, and you have to love that thing. I, I like the jet, you know, the jet that would dock in the back of the uh, of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yep, and its its central tail fin would become mm-hmm. the tail fin of the bigger ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a, a race car in the nose that could just shoot out. Mm-hmm. That's where the princess And then was. there was a motorcycle in right? one wing and some sort of yeah, yeah. dune buggy cool. in the other. So things that Man, didn't make awesome. the list. Here are some things. Let's run through some things that we were surprised didn't make the list. James Bond's Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Power Rangers, yep. the Megazord stuff. Green Hornet's Black yep. Beauty. Speed Buggy. That was close for me. Yeah. Uh, the Enterprise. Starscream. Yeah, Starscream. Yeah, the Enterprise is big. The, uh, the what, Hinden Peter. The Hinden Peter. What about the what was the what was that from Final Fantasy? The the Chocobots? Uh or the whatever they oh, were. The Chocobos. The Chocobos, yeah. Uh those weren't on there. Oh, Yoshi wasn't animals. on there. I don't know. Well, Zach gotta use uh animals. Yeah. TARDIS wasn't mentioned. Yeah. I mean it was the, mentioned, but it wasn't on the list. The Andromeda yeah. Ascendant. Yeah. Um, yeah, the TARDIS was one that was very tough for me. Yeah. The General Lee. Yeah, the General the Lee. I expected the from Death Proof. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, um, the, the Nova from Death Proof. Mentor's RV from uh, Shazam! That's what I was thinking, too, because you had mentioned Kit it this yet. week. The what? Yeah. Nobody mentioned Kit? No Kit. Okay. No Street Hawk, no Viper. No right. Tetsuo's bike um, from Akira. Right. Ooh, uh, uh, the Proud Baroness. Canada. Mm-hmm. Tetsuo didn't oh, that's right. The Proud Baroness. The Gokai Galleon from Gokaiger. Any the of Herkimer. the cars. The Herkimer Battle Jitney was Herkimer. on my list, but I dropped it for uh, the Thunder Tank because I was like, I don't want to have two tanks in here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I thought you were going to go there. I, I almost did. I almost did, but I ended up dropping it. Um, obviously, any of the cars from Wacky Races. That's a good one. Friday from Power Pack was another one that stuck with me. Ooh. And Zorro's Black Horse. Toronado. Mm-hmm. Toronado. Oh, and the big one, the one that I thought Steven would hit on, Calvin's Cardboard Box. Yeah, see, that's a good one, too, because he could do so much for that. Ship and yeah. race car and an airplane. And oh, a and uh, girlfriend. Yeah. That uh, Mr. Manhattan from the uh, Saturday Morning Animated Watchmen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, what, what was that? Was it the Quest Jet what, or those uh, uh, hovering platforms that we saw in oh, uh, Johnny yeah. Quest? Mm-hmm. I mean, Wonder Woman's Invisible Jet. Yep. Uh, so many things yeah, on here. Hoverboard. All those comic planes, the Quinjet, the Blackbird. The Spider-Mobile. Oh, yeah. Spider-Mobile. All of the Blackhawks planes. Oh, I love the Spider-Mobile. The so Spider-Mobile. many good things, listeners, that are on our, that didn't make our list, but maybe they make your list. So what we want you to do, head over to Majorspoilers.com, and uh, you can follow the link in the show notes to take you over to this particular episode. We want to know what your top five vehicles are in pop culture. And you can see we've given you quite a big range that uh, needs some filling in the blanks, but also gives you kind of a a spread of what uh, high-low kind of stuff uh, that we have. I bet you guys can come up with some cool things. Maybe some of the things we mentioned that weren't on our lists are on your lists. And uh, we want you to go over there and share your thoughts with everyone. Why? 
because everyone loves a list, and we will see you next time. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Majorspoilers forum. You can also follow Majorspoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.